Here's a message from Ken Lavica. We spend so much time talking about the stars, but what about the underappreciated athletes? Stone Labanowitz hit the open. On your mark. Get set. Go! You are listening to Ken Lavica Live. What? Did we just become best friends? Yep. You want to go do karate in the garage? Yep. Turn it up. Turn it up! Now, live from the Anajar and Levine Accident Attorney Studios, it's Ken Lavica Live on ESPN 1063. Now, Stone, I've got to lay this out because I, I look at your college football career starting quarterback. Southern Illinois won a playoff game, and that in its own right is impressive, right? I mean, you would say you would classify yourself as impressive. I, I think I would. Yeah. I think, though, sometimes I need to aim a little bit higher on this show. <laughs> uh, me as someone who's never done anything impressively from an athletic perspective, yet I am willing to give any opinion that I possibly can on anything. I, I hold stone to to a standard of excellence when it comes to his his college athletic career. But it's time to reach a little bit higher. Uh, no offense, Stone, but I think we have found someone who completely outdid you with his college career. Uh, let me, let me, what would I, what would you say if I told you that we are about to talk to somebody who this past season, his junior year at Florida Atlantic, hit 447, had 19 home runs, a 1483 OPS, a 615 on base percentage, and just got taken 11th overall in the Major League Baseball draft by the LA Angels. What what would you say to that? Uh, all those things, a lot more impressive than anything I uh, uh-huh. would have ever dreamed just of. Doing. A little bit. Just, just a little bit. Just, just a modicum more impressive. And joining us now is Florida Atlantic slugger and soon to be headed to LA. He has been drafted by the Angels. He's the first ever first round pick in the history of Florida Atlantic Athletics. It's Nolan Shanowell with us here on Ken Levick Alive. Uh, Nolan, I want to get this out of the way right away. First, thank you for joining us. And secondly, congratulations on everything. What has this week been like for you since you got drafted Sunday night? Yeah, thank you guys for having me. I mean, this has been a, a roller coaster of emotions. Uh, we've been through highs and lows. I remember I, I got like two or three hours of sleep on draft day. And just spending time with friends and family has been nothing but the best. But it's definitely just a dream come true. I'm, I'm super excited. Uh, where are you right now? Because you're, you're a Boca Raton native, went to high school at Park Vista, obviously played your college ball at FAU. Where are you right now? Are you home or are you in L.A.? Yeah, so I'm home right now. I head up to L.A. on Saturday. And uh, I'm with family staying at my mom's house. This is, this is, how, it's, this is how it is. This is how it's always been. So I'm just spending time with family and head out Saturday. Uh, getting excited to meet all the new guys and my new teammates. That is amazing. Nolan Shanowell with us here on Ken Levicka Live. As I was saying, and, and, and disclosure to all listening, I'm the play-by-play voice of FAU football and basketball. Do not do baseball, but paid close attention last three years to Nolan at FAU with John McCormick's outstanding baseball program. I saw some of the clips of of you sitting there on the couch in the living room Sunday night, and it's the waiting game as you're watching Rob Manfred head to the podium out there in Seattle, and you're wondering when you're going to hear your name called. How much anxiety do you have as you hear the first couple of picks go through? Uh, did you know you were going to the Angels? What's that feeling like for you? What were you, what were you feeling playing that waiting game? Yeah, no, I was really anxious. Though, through uh, 5, 5 p.m. when I showed up at home and through 7 p.m. when the draft started. But I was definitely really anxious, and every pick that went by just felt like time was getting slower. And right after the Marlins pick, my heart dropped a little bit. They said noble, and the first syllable sounded like no, so I was like, am I going to Miami? But no, uh, the Angels kind of surprised me. I, I knew they were interested, but they, they definitely – surprised me a little bit and i'm just really excited to be an angel so two two things off of that are you a marlins fan if not uh what uh what team did you you grow up a fan of 
So I grew up being a Marlins and a Red Sox fan. Okay, okay. Kind of house divided. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. Uh, and then, and then, so we always see with the NFL draft, all these guys are getting a call beforehand. They know what's coming. You, you didn't get a call from the Angels beforehand. It sounds like so. The first time you you found out that you were going to LA was via your television screen. Yeah. So actually, well, it was thirty seconds before the pick. I got I got a call. And I started crying on, and I was, my mom's like, you got to hold it back. Wait till, wait till they call it on TV. Wait till they call it on TV. But it, it was, yeah, it was 30 seconds before the actual pick. I love that. Cinch it up, kid. You got to come off like a pro on television. Nolan Shanuel with us here uh, on Ken Levick Alive. Uh, first baseman, outfielder uh, at FAU. Hit four forty seven this past season. Career three eighty five hitter at Florida Atlantic. Stone, get this. three forty three freshman year. three sixty nine batting average in his sophomore year in the Conference USA Player of the Year last year with a four forty seven average. Uh, I I don't know what it's like to succeed at anything athletically, Nolan. Like at all. Like even shooting free throws, I I, I hit two of ten. I'm like, whew, that was some good work that I just put in. What is it like for you at the plate when things are really clicking? I, I know people talk about the zone. Uh, some hitters will say, oh, yeah, that ball looks like a beach ball or the pitcher, the ball's coming out of his hand in slow motion. How can you describe when things are really going for you, which is most of the time, how do you describe an at-bat in your brain? It's definitely first thing off is you got to be confident. If you don't go into the box being confident, you're you're selling yourself out. You're, you're probably going to fail. Uh, the other thing is I, I see seams really well. So whatever way the ball is moving and I see the seams moving, uh, whether it's fastball, curveball, changeup, I, I think I, I picked that up pretty well too. But it's all about being competitive as well. Like I have that really strong competitive spirit in me, and every time I get up in, into the box, I'm competing against the pitcher. And, I, and that's the best thing about baseball is every at-bat is you're, you're competing. I always love the umpire cameras or the catcher cams because that's where you really get the sense of how quick you have to be, your reaction time, to get good wood on a ball. And so when when you're in there in the box and you're seeing all these things and you're able to, to process all of these things, is that something you've already you've always naturally been able to do? When did you realize as a young ball player, because you were an outstanding hitter at Park Vista High School as well, when did you realize, hey, this hitting thing, I think I might be onto something here? Yeah, I would say middle school, uh, my, my coaches, Mark Roach and Tim Roach, were just going out with me countless hours and just working, whether it was off the machine, whether it was off live pitching, but we were just working constantly. And, I mean, I, as you get older, the, the pitching gets faster. So it's just little adjustments from there. That is really, really I, – I'm so jealous of it because I've said, Nolan, on this show that forget hitting a three-pointer in an NBA game or anything along those lines. Like, the best feeling uh, for me – and I'm never going to be able to do it. I just don't have the power is to hit a home run. Like, even playing with friends – uh, when I was a kid in a in a, a a you know a regular size baseball diamond, I never had enough power to even hit it like 330, 335. What does it feel like to get into one and and absolutely rock one? You hit three against Florida, the national runner up this past season. What does it feel like to just get into one of those things, hit it square on the screws? Yeah, I mean, right, right when you hit it, you kind of know. So you're leaving the box knowing you hit a home run and just rounding the bases is kind of like a victory trot. That's how I consider it. And it, like I said, like you said, it's the best feeling in the world. There's, there's no other feeling I'd rather have than hitting a home run. If I could do it every day, uh, I would do it every day. <laughs> I, I'm, but I'm literally it, right here living vicariously through you, Nolan. Like I, I am. Like it's just awesome. So can Nolan's, <laughs> Nolan's in middle school realizing he's a blue chipper, realizing he has potential to go play pro baseball in middle school. What uh, what, what are some of the things you're good at? What do you think you're going to do when you're in middle school? Oh boy, <laughs> I was a good. You know, I used to have to cut a, a, a paper shopping bag and then cover my books in it. I was a great artist on those books. Okay. I drew really, really well. Very. That was about uh, the limit of my talent. There, there are parallels. Yeah, there, yeah. Nolan. 
Dylan's already hitting like 360-foot bombs in middle school, and I'm drawing on uh, a paper bag that I put over my books. Nolan Shanuel with us here. FAU slugger turned first-round draft pick in the Major League Baseball draft Sunday night going to the L.A. Angels. I want to ask you about your recruitment because you, you come out of Park Vista and I've known uh, the the head coach over there, the legend Larry Greenstein, for an awful long time, and that's been a machine. I know one of your favorite players is Trey Turner, former Park Vista man, Philadelphia Philly, uh, currently. I'm sure you had a ton of letters and you had offers, and uh, I, I, I'm just wondering, how did FAU come about? What was your recruitment like? Because I think for some – some baseball fans, and even those down here, oh, wait, this kid hit 447 and he went to FAU and now he's a, a top 11 draft pick. How did that happen? What was recruitment like? Yeah, so it actually, it might come to surprise, but FAU is my only offer out of out of high school. Oh, my and, God. Okay. But it, it definitely was my, my my favorite decision. I mean, I loved the coaching, all the coaching staff at FAU, Coach McCormick, Coach Mams, and Coach Kopp at the time. And I don't think I could see myself playing anywhere else. How? I mean, no. Let me let me let me ask you. How is it humanly possible that FAU is your only offer? Like, how does that happen? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it comes to a, it comes to surprise to a lot of people. I tell, but that, I mean, I guess times were different back then, and yeah, I. I was kind of, I'm I'm shocked as well. I don't I don't really know. <laughs> Nolan, I got a piece of advice for you here. I played Division One football, and and I was always told I wasn't going to go play Division One football. I was always told I was going to play Division Two or go find myself at the junior college level. So when I did commit to a Division One university, I through my burner account would send that tweet, that post that I was going to Division One university to the coaches who didn't recruit me. So you got to do that to some of these guys. Some of the schools that you <laughs> wanted to go to, you got to send them the. Uh, the Angels tweet and everybody hyping Nolan up. I mean, everybody who doubted you. Look, look what's going on yeah. right now. Are you a chip on shoulder guy, Nolan? Like when you're facing oh, Miami. 100%. Yeah, because you beat Miami a bunch of times in your career. You played yeah. Florida a bunch. I just said you went yard three times against them. How satisfying is that? <laughs> yeah, no, de- definitely going into those games, I-, I had a chip on my shoulder. and I- Like I want to win every game that I play. But when, when we played the Florida, the Miami, and any UCF, I wanted to beat those teams 10 times more than I wanted to beat every other. Mm. Uh, Nolan Shanuel with us here on Ken LaVica Live. Pick number 11 overall by the LA Angels in the Major League Baseball draft on Sunday. Also later in the draft, Caleb Pendleton, uh, his teammate at FAU, selected by the LA Angels. Jensen Beach product. And so uh, that's kind of cool, too. How random is that, Nolan? You're, uh, you are you played with uh, with Caleb at FAU, and now there's a very real chance that if, if the, the cards fall correctly, you could be teammates on the Angels. That's awesome. Yeah, no, it's exciting. I, we actually played before, uh, in before high school, in a, a travel league. So we're we're still going to be playing together, and Stop. we were roommates in college. So we're definitely excited to go up to LA together. Man, that is, everything's aligned here. Have you have you ever been to Los Angeles? What is uh, young Nolan Shanuel anticipating when he heads out to Southern California? Yeah, I mean, I haven't been to LA, but I've been to California. I've I've gone to San Francisco. I, I've been I've been on that side before, but I, I haven't been to LA. But I'm I'm super excited to meet like Zach Nato. Um, I mean, I'm I hope I get to meet Mike Trout. That would be amazing. Shohei Otani. But I'm definitely looking forward to the baseball part of it. And just being able to play every day. It's been a dream of mine forever. Uh, we won't. We won't tell them. Uh, we will make sure they don't find out about this. Who are you more pumped to meet, Trout or Otani, when you head out there if you Ooh. get the opportunity? I'd say I've always been a Mike Trout fan, so I definitely, mm-hmm. I definitely want to meet him. I, I think I'm more pumped to meet Mike for sure. We'll make sure that Shohei Otani doesn't. Uh, he, yeah, he doesn't let's hear keep that. this a secret. We're yeah, really, right, right. We're really close with them. Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll keep it under wraps. Right. Uh, <laughs> uh, I I couldn't help. But look up what your signing bonus, uh, Nolan, is going to be upon getting out there to L.A. and putting pen to paper. And uh, the number $5.25 million is what popped up as the number 11 overall pick signing bonus in this year's Major League Baseball draft. Uh, Were you aware of that number? And if so, how quickly did you look up that signing bonus number? 
Yeah, no, I I wasn't aware of it, and uh, oh, I mean, stop when it. I played, stop I, it. Growing up, my my when I uh, when I grew up or when I grew up, it was just all about baseball. I, I didn't really care about the big signing bonuses. I didn't care about the the lifelong contracts. I just wanted to play. Uh, like what what thrives me to play is just being able to play as long as I can. It wasn't the money or anything, but it definitely. Just being able to play is a dream come true, so I'm just excited to get there and but hopefully make it up by the end of the season. But that's one of my goals. So, oh, well, I, I, I absolutely, uh, I mean, I think you can, and I'm obviously very biased and rooting for you. Now, the reason you're in this spot is because you haven't cared about the money. You've got unlimited talent, and your full focus is baseball, the sport. You've got the passion. You've got the ability, the talent. Now, the thing is, I. I, I do care about the money. So if you would indulge me for just a moment, uh, what do you anticipate? If you can just put yourself in this spot, uh, your checks start hitting. That direct deposit starts to uh, to bulge a bit. What what is what, what is one thing that Nolan Shanuel has always felt like, hey, once I have some money, it would be cool to have this. Like, what, what crosses your mind? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think I'm going to get anything for myself. I think the first thing I want to oh, do is awesome. I need to know help, help out my parents. <laughs> Okay. Okay. Um, definitely get them a gift. I, I haven't really decided what it is yet, but I definitely want to spoil them for all the sacrifices they made for me throughout my my whole career. Whether it was going up, paying for travel to Georgia, for hotels, for nights out, eating dinner on on away trips, just all that. So I definitely want to spoil them first. That is uh, that is that is really really sweet of you. That is very mature of you. And uh, my parents listen to the show almost every day. Uh, Joyce, Greg, I'm not sure that you would have been my first thought after a 5.25 million dollar signing bonus, but probably second or third. I would have taken care of you as well. So um, you're a couple of days. You're headed out to LA. Uh, do you do you feel like your personality fits uh, Tinseltown? Your personality uh, fits Los Angeles. Strolling down. Uh, uh, Rodeo Drive, and you've got sunglasses on. You're kind of you're kind of hanging out in Southern California. Does 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 Nolan Shanuel's personality fit Southern California? I would say so. I mean, I I learned to surf in high school, so I'm definitely ready for that. I'm re- I'm definitely ready for the Cali life. Uh, I had a couple teammates up there in some summer league, so I'm I'm a little used to the the slang and lingo, but I, I would say I'll fit in just fine. This guy is prepared for everything. No, I mean that's just so impressive. He 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 learned how to surf in high school, and he's all set. He's got that locked down. Uh, that is that is awesome. And 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 just a quick note, Stone uh, MLB.com. They have a story today, which 2023 draft prospects are on the fast track to the majors, and included in that list, Nolan Shanuel. Go figure. Uh, do do you feel how much pressure do you put on yourself? Just based off that, how much pressure do you put on yourself, Nolan? I mean, everything makes uh, – it's a little pressure. I mean, the nerves kind of rank up a little bit. But it's just – it's the game I've always played. Uh, I just – every time I, I, I get nervous or anxious, I think about that and how far I've come already and just the obstacles I've had to face. And I look back on that and they all calm. They calm itself. I'm definitely – I would say there's a little bit of pressure, but this is, this is what I love to do. I mean, it's going to come with that. And I'm, I'm fully ready to take on – all, all the problems, all the commitments, I'm, I'm ready for it. The pride of Park Vista, the pride of Florida Atlantic. He is the first ever first-round pick in the history of Florida Atlantic Athletics. He is Nolan Shanuel, the number 11 overall pick of the Major League Baseball draft to the L.A. Angels. In a couple of days, he heads out to Los Angeles to embark on his pro career. Nolan, it has been a thrill watching you at Florida Atlantic. We can't wait to see how things go for you with the Angels. Go get them. We're thinking about you. Thanks for joining us, and congratulations on everything. Yes, thank you, guys. I appreciate you guys having me. That is Nolan Shanuel with us here on Ken LaVica Live. We'll come back. And uh, we'll just do some nonsense today. It's the day after the Major League Baseball All-Star Game. We're full of surprises. Who knows what we're going to do next? I want to thank Nolan and everybody at FAU for getting us linked up. That is Stone Labanowitz, Friday Night Lights. I'm Ken Levick. I'm live on ESPN 106.3. From the Anajar and Levine Studios in downtown West Palm Beach, you are listening to Ken LaVica Live on ESPN 1063. How do you think I'd handle the L.A. lifestyle, Stone? 
Wow, that's a loaded question. Um, I think uh, you'd fold. I think you'd yeah. crumble. I'm not sure it's for me. I, 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 I don't like a high profile LA lifestyle. Not sure it's for me. I'd be like, ah, everything's so expensive. Yeah, you'd be getting, uh, in, you'd be getting in fights. I wouldn't get in fights. I just wouldn't. Like, you know, I don't like being around people. That's what I mean. I feel like I wouldn't maximize the LA lifestyle. I do think your style, even though I like your style, I think your style would increase a little bit. I, well, I think you'd start I, to rock some Gucci shades. I could, I could see it. That would, that would require somebody actually guiding me on a path to improving my but style. Man, they're, they're all over LA, those people. I know. I'm very complacent in life. Just don't get a haircut in LA because they're like over $2,000, as we saw on social media yesterday. <laughs> I'll, I'll keep it to myself, do it to my sink. I <laughs> uh, want to thank Nolan Shanuel for joining us again. Number 11 overall pick. His signing bonus is going to be $5.25 million. With the LA Angels, yeah, you can make fun of of, of Ken Levicka and Stone Lepanowitz, right? These uh, these these, these smaller guys or whatever. But we just we hang out with uh, Los Angeles Angels. That's right, with ballers. We, we bring on these guys. That's right. what we do. That's right. So we associate ourselves with. Uh, if you're experiencing foot and ankle pain, need to see an expert in the field. Baptist Health Orthopedic Care is a team of foot and ankle orthopedic surgeons and specialists who are regarded as leaders in their specialty. Visit BaptistHealth.net/ortho to learn more today. Baptist Health Orthopedic Care combines its resources of experienced physicians, leading-edge treatments, and technology to provide advanced orthopedic foot and ankle joint replacement, spine, and sports medicine care. Visit baptishealth.net slash ortho for more information today. Baptist Health Orthopedic Care has offices conveniently located in Palm Beach County through the Florida Keys. Learn more by visiting baptishealth.net slash ortho. I'm looking up here at our, uh, our TVs in the Anna John Levine Action and Attorney Studios. Who's this Eubanks guy uh, at Wimbledon, this American? Chris Eubanks. He's uh, not even 30 years old. He's just been uh, fighting his way through the ranks, and he is the only male American left standing in that Wimbledon draw. Uh, a ridiculous story, to be He's a Georgia Tech guy, right? That's right. He is a yellow jacket. Um, with, with Wimbledon on, and that's really the only game going today, the day after the Major League Baseball All-Star game, and you heard it here last night on ESPN 106.3. I I have such an appreciation for someone that I think is maybe not vilified, but I think even within his own sport, there is a negative connotation about him, and that is Novak Djokovic. Yesterday, Novak Djokovic, on center court at Wimbledon, won his 33rd match in a row. He beat Rublev, right? The Russian yesterday? Andrei Rublev, yes, sir. 33 wins in a row at Wimbledon. He already has the all-time Grand Slam wins, Mark. He's surpassed the now perpetually injured Rafael Nadal. He's won 44 matches in a row at center court at the All-England Club. He hasn't lost on center court in a decade. And he's now three wins away from a fifth straight Wimbledon title and now giving himself a cushion in the number that many use to determine who the best tennis player of all time is, and that's the Grand Slam number. Novak Djokovic is ridiculous. And I don't think he's fully appreciated in his own sport, let alone worldwide, what he should be. I would argue that Roger Federer, and again, we're talking, and I know you love tennis, but tennis is niche sport, right? Tennis is flat-out niche sport. There's no doubt about that. It's on the periphery. I would argue golf, maybe less so, is still on the periphery. In this country, neither of those sports are part of the big four. I'm not trying to throw disrespect, but, but tennis is, to me, much more of an international sport than it is a passionate American sport. Though down here in Palm Beach County and the Treasure Coast, we probably have one of the biggest influxes of tennis fans of anywhere in a single market in the United States of America. But Novak Djokovic, within his own sport, has always been going up against the charm, the class of Roger Federer, right? The tenacity, the vibrant nature of Rafael Nadal. Djokovic has always been largely, in my mind, shunned. He was immature as a young player. He was brash. He was known as someone who didn't work as hard as maybe he could. He pouted. All of those things, when he broke in 
as a young talent, when you put that up against the established panache of Roger Federer and the refined eccentricity of Rafael Nadal, it was he wasn't palatable. Is that a pretty accurate description of Novak Djokovic in comparison to the other two that we consider to be the greatest players of all time? I couldn't have said it any better, to be completely honest with you. There's a lot of parallels between Novak and Tom Brady, right? He doesn't have that flash, doesn't have the strongest arm, very similar to what Novak. He's just better than everybody else, and he destroys who you call your heroes. And I would say that Djokovic's game doesn't have a ton of flair to it, right? It's very machine. It's very steal your soul. It's very wear you down until you're ground into a fine powder, and I come out triumphant, right? Like, he's he's the most in shape. He is the most technically sound, but it doesn't make for the masterpiece of the Roger Federer drop shot, the flowing hair, the headband. It's just different looking. Yeah, he oftentimes turns defense into offense. So when you're wanting to watch players hit winners and kind of pop off the screen, he doesn't do that. Like you said, he's going to take your legs from you, and then eventually he's going to smile doing it, and eventually time's going to run out, and he's going to come out victorious. He's just done it time and time again. The guy's 36 years old. So yesterday, Novak Djokovic, after beating Rublev to get into the semifinals at Wimbledon, Novak Djokovic is he's he's very confident person, right? Um, he tries to very hard. He tries to show reverence to the sport, to the places he's playing, to the people he has played. He tries to be humble, but it's just not him, which has rubbed people the wrong way at times in his career because the man has supreme confidence in himself. Roger Federer was always, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, yes, sir, no, sir. Everything right about the game. Had the manners, yeah. right? Rafael Nadal, same thing. That's not necessarily Novak Djokovic. He's always been a little rough around the edges, and he's tried to win over the adoration of crowds throughout the world, but it hasn't been possible because there's been the constant roadblock of Federer and Nadal to a point where Djokovic, well, there are some who love him. I think he's accepted I'm going to be a heel. Uh, for most places that I go play in. I'm, I'm going to be a heel. I've got to deal with it, play into it, lean into it, go steal souls. But this was Novak Djokovic yesterday after, again, his 44th win in a row on center court at Wimbledon and 33rd in a row straight up at Wimbledon, talking victories. Here is Novak Djokovic. You know, I'm, I'm, I know that they want to get a scalp, they want to, to win, but uh, it, it ain't happening still. <laughs> Very humble. <laughs> like, were there were there some boos in there? Let's hear that one more time because uh, he got sheared, but it felt like there were some boos within that as well. When if Federer and Nadal said something like that, it'd be standing ovation. My God, the supreme confidence of these two maestros of the grass court. Here's Novak Djokovic again. You know, I'm, I'm I know that they want to get a scalp, they want to to win, but uh, it, it ain't happening still. <laughs> right there they want the scalp they want to win but it ain't happening that's Novak Djokovic on center court at Wimbledon I I'm gonna say it I think that guy's awesome and and you know Stone I was very down on him when he wouldn't get vaccinated and it was very frustrating and he set himself back from that standpoint uh I do think now it's ridiculous uh, that that some places are still trying to keep him out unvaccinated. Again, it's frustrating he wouldn't just do it. That's a different discussion for a different time. Um, but overall, I don't know if it's because I'm a contrarian sometimes by nature or I'm attracted sometimes to heels, but this dude deserves way more love than he actually gets. He is the single greatest tennis player in the history of the sport. By any tangible metric, any number, we talk about rings in the NBA or in the NFL. Well, the rings are the Grand Slam wins in tennis, and no one has more than Novak Djokovic, and I don't think Novak Djokovic is ever going to be caught. 
Like the youngest gun in the game right now is Carlos Alcaraz, and that man has a lot of work to do to even approach the same pantheon of Novak Djokovic. Novak Djokovic is the single most unappreciated athlete in sports. Yeah, and what's unique is here in a few days, most likely, I am speaking uh, ahead of terms right most now. Most likely. Novak Djokovic uh-huh. will face Carlos Alcaraz uh-huh. in this Wimbledon final. Right. So we're going to get a chance to see the world number one and the world number two. And, and if- what did they do when they played at the French Open? What did Novak Djokovic do to Carlos Alcaraz? Short answer, beat his ass. He yeah. just took his legs and eventually took his soul. Some yep. of the things that we talked about, right? Carlos, very offensive player, Novak. Played some defense and at times took advantage of his opportunities and just wore Carlos down to the point where he just couldn't even stay on the court. He was limping. He was cramping. There was just nothing he could do. And I, I again, I'm going to recall this Tom Brady card because I, I think for all of the Aaron Rodgers guys out there, for the, the Johnny Unitas fans, the Terry Bradshaws, the John Elways, the Dan Marinos, the guys you want to hang on to and the guys who you support more than you support Tom Brady – we always knew in the back of our heads Tom Brady was the best quarterback to ever play the game. We always knew we were just always going to fight it. That's what tennis fans and I think sports fans in general do with Novak Djokovic. It's like because you love the maestro and Roger Federer, because mm-hmm. you love the Matador and they, Rafael Nadal. They were more aesthetically pleasing. Of course. They were easier to root for for a, a whole bunch of reasons, but you always knew that Novak was the better tennis player. Yep. And now the numbers, the statistics, the things that he's accomplishing – the, uh, just being 36 years old and just handing it down to the next-gen players. He's nope. still in his prime at 36. Meanwhile, Rafael Nadal's body is completely broken down. Roger Federer's retired, and here's Djokovic just merrily strolling along. Yeah, for perspective, the very first match on center court in this uh, Wimbledon stint for Novak Djokovic, Roger Federer showed up, and they gave him the standing ovation before Novak's match started, and then Novak spoke to Roger on that court in front of everybody because they just wanted Roger there. Again, like I said, for perspective, they're both the same age. So you have one guy in a suit, in a tie, uh-huh. sitting in a box, watching with the queen. The guy wins the, the match. The queen's dead. The king. The duchess. No, I mean, what's Kay Middleton? Uh, She's what, not the queen. What does she refer to? I apologize. The duchess of, of, of England? What's the deal? The duchess of England. What, what is Kay Middleton referred to as? Uh, I apologize. She is... Uh, you don't even know. Princess. Okay, <laughs> She's the Princess of Wales, dummy. (laughs) So the Princess of Wales and Roger Federer are sitting there watching somebody the same age just continue to kick ass on that grass. It's weird. It's... It's he's inevitable. He, he's he's inevitable. He's a freak. He's probably got at least four or five grand slams left in him if things fall the right way. Yeah. And, and what conversation were we having where, oh, it was, it was NASCAR. You're always talking about an F1, the same guy's winning. And it's kind of yeah. a, a diluted F1, product. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. For, for tennis, that's what I, I think if you're not a tennis fan, that's what you think of tennis. You're like, uh, you know, it's not as cool. It's not as competitive because one guy always wins. No, you have to appreciate this because he's beating kids and guys younger than him that are evolving the game and that are yep. just adjusting to, and he's just still he already, him. He's still winning. He's already conquered the legends in Federer and Nadal, and now he's still conquering at 36 the young, up-and-coming superstars. Yeah, it's uh, something that I don't think we've seen, per se, in sports, so it needs to be appreciated. I think it's a really solid pick when you're talking about underappreciated athletes because I think he should be in the forefront. doesn't help that he's Serbian, right? We're not too familiar with what goes on right. over there. And, right. you know, you get into politics and this and that, but he's to be loved. I, I think he's one of those guys that uh, deserves every bit of, of credit that he, uh, he's been getting. I appreciate him. Now, um, uh, by the way, Princess of Wales, uh, Princess Kate... Um, she also is technically the queen consort of Wales. So maybe that's what you were going for, but there's no way that's what you were going for. I appreciate you trying to save me there, yeah. but that's not what I was going for. Yeah, she is not the queen. The queen, um, queen's dead. So who's She's a du- princess. Why do I see duchess thrown around? What's, what, what does that even mean? Oh, uh, well, I don't, wait, who is, was, was she a duchess? I think she was a duchess. Now she's a princess. Oh, former duchess. I think so. Ex-duchess? I don't know. <laughs> I, I have no idea. Uh, Novak Djokovic to me, is the most underappreciated athlete. Like, I think he just is. Novak Djokovic, to me, is the most underappreciated pro athlete. What about you? In your opinion, who is, either past or present, the most underappreciated athlete? Pro athlete. 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. Tweet us at KLV1063. 888 Three seven seven six. Who do you, in your opinion, is consistently one of the most underappreciated 
pro athletes. 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. What about you? Where do you fall on this most underappreciated athlete? You're into weird sports. You watch a lot of this stuff on the periphery. You like mediocre quarterbacks in the NFL. Mm. Who's who's underappreciated? Mm, this one's fun. I, I, I had uh, a lot of fun trying to figure out who I was going to go with. I got a couple of quirky answers. But for me, and there are, are certain reasons that I'll get into, but I think Kevin Durant falls into this category. And a lot of it has to do with social media. And you know that's always my angle. You the, think Kevin Durant is underappreciated? I, if I can parlay disrespected with underappreciated, yes, I think Kevin Durant goes to the forefront for me because he's never been given his flowers. I, I think for the true hoopers out there and the guys like J.J. Redick who always want to push these guys up to the front and, and don't take this unwarranted disrespect to a lot of these players, I think Kevin Durant is deserving. I think he's just – I'll put it like this. Here's the example that I'll go with. Go on Twitter and type in Kevin Durant. Just search it and just, just let it be the top tweets. You're not going to get a good tweet about Kevin Durant. They're always, They're always disrespectful. Negative. They're always trying to chop the legs out from him. And, and, it, and for me, I respect the guys who just go out there and give it everything they got, no matter what team they're playing for, no matter what situation they're in, no matter what's going on around them. Think about what was going on with James Harden and Kyrie Irving. Like, I think even his championship rings are taken away from him because he went and, and sat alongside Steph Curry and Klay Thompson and Draymond Green and won it with Steve Kerr. I think Kevin Durant, I, he's one of my slick answers here because he doesn't get the love that he deserves. He goes out there, he hoops, he just wants to hoop. He doesn't want to be involved in any of the other stuff. doesn't care about his legacy. I think we need to appreciate him for the basketball player that he is because there will become a time, and he, he is above that age of 30, that we won't have a Kevin Durant. And now we're starting to see the comparisons of Victor Wimbanyama to a Kevin Durant. Eventually, these legends will go, and we won't have them in our sport anymore. And I think Kevin Durant deserves a lot more flowers than he's been given. Part of my thing with Kevin Durant is, yeah, he's an excellent player, but he's now on Team 4. He has not found a way to win a championship outside of being with Steph and Clay and Draymond. What he would say to me is, why does everybody focus on rings so much? Why does everybody focus on rings? Can't you just say, hey, this guy's good? Sure, but... This is why the when talking about LeBron, he consistently made everybody around him better throughout the prime years of his career. That's where that comes into play because Kevin Durant hasn't necessarily done that. He hasn't necessarily made in his stops everybody around him better. You can make the argument that he has been propped up by those around him as opposed to more making everyone around him better, maximizing what they what they do. So that is my issue with Kevin Durant. I appreciate him. He is an unbelievable singular talent. But as far as somebody who is one of the great basketball champions to play the game, I don't know if I put him there. Maybe that's me underappreciating it. Exactly. But I don't put him in the same pantheon of a LeBron because LeBron – has done nothing but make everyone around him better, whereas Kevin Durant, he's been part of some duds. Yeah, and I think with all of those things considered, he falls into the category of a leader by example. He's not a vocal voice in the locker room. He's not the rah-rah guy when it's uh, time to call a timeout and corral the guys and draw up these certain plays. He, he's quiet. He keeps to himself, and I think that He's never taken it upon himself to become a facilitator. He's more so an offensive guy. He's a scorer at heart and at his core, and I think that's what he wants to be. He's never been the guy who's going to give you 10 dimes a game, similar to LeBron and, and the Magics of the world and the Nikola Jokic's at this point in his career. He doesn't want to be that guy. He said it. He's told you. For the people looking for answers, he's told you. I'm not the vocal voice in the locker room. I lead by example. I stay to myself. I, I stay in my own lane. I'm a hooper. I just want to hoop. So appreciate me for that. Before these NBA finals, Jokic was in this conversation, right? I mean, there's no doubt about now, it. Now for the first time in his career, even as a two-time MVP, for the first time in his career, now he's being talked about. I think it's so unfair that that's how sports work in today's day and age because he should have been appreciated beforehand, but it took him showing himself on everybody's television screen in their house that, oh, damn, this guy is really, really good, and he's a generational talent. He was already that before he won himself a title. So I think the answer to that is yes, he was in this spot. He was underappreciated until he got his ring. Novak Djokovic, Kevin Durant says Stone. 
Who, in your opinion, is the most consistently underappreciated pro athlete? 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. That's 888-760-3776. Twitter open, at KLV1063. 888-760-3776. To you, who is most consistently the most underappreciated pro athlete? 888-760-3776. Three seven seven six. He's Stone Lebanowitz. Friday Night Lights. I'm Ken Levick. I'm live on ESPN one zero six three. From the Anajar and Levine Studios in downtown West Palm Beach, you are listening to Ken Levick Live on ESPN one zero six three. So Kate Middleton was the Duchess of Cambridge. Come on, baby. But you're just. You didn't know that. Yes, I did. You want to know why I knew that? Because when there were tweets and when I was watching the commentary of her sitting alongside Roger Federer, they said, oh, Roger Federer alongside the Duchess of Cambridge. That was this year? Yeah. They don't say Princess Kate, the Queen Consort of York? They definitely did not say that. I I mean, I watched the entire match from start to finish. She was shown at least 400 times because she was sitting next to Roger and they chatted. Duchess of Cambridge is what I kept hearing. By the way... I didn't hear the Queen, sorry. Uh, I don't... I'm trying to decide if this is a good... Ah, who cares? Who cares? I don't care. Um, this week, and it feels like any time a U.S. president goes to London to meet with the king or queen, may she rest in peace, pour one out for Liz, um... Feels like every time, and it's just based on who you like as president. When Obama went there, everybody's looking to, oh, he broke royal protocol. Obama, that non-American dirtbag. Trump went there. That oafish moron. How dare he disrespect the queen? He doesn't know protocols. He's a bull in a china shop. And then Biden goes there earlier this week, and it's, ah, Sleepy Joe, snorting coke, not wearing socks. Where's the CPAP machine, Grandpa? Like, it's just, it's every time we're looking to like... It's it, just never going to matter. It's, it's never, right. So this week, old Joe, and we know, like, Joe Biden is very folksy, right? He's like the type of guy, I, I would, I don't care how you feel about him, there is nobody that could tell me that you wouldn't enjoy sitting there having a beer with the dude. Right? Like, he's the type of guy that just wants to tell you stories about riding on a train 40 years ago. Like, oh, I know Phil from uh, Athens, Ohio. Uh, yeah, we go way back. Like, he's he is one of those people. He's a, a handshake and backslap guy. For sure. Like, for sure. Like, Joe Biden is a blue-collar handshake backslap guy. All right? <laughs> I can get down with that. And I'm that. sure there's people right now like, oh, Ken, <laughs> oh, he's Satan. Joe Biden's Satan. He can't even wake up. Stop. He's he's backslap guy. So he goes up to King Charles, all right, and he's he's openly happy. Oh, he's senile. He doesn't know where he is. But he's he's happy to see King Charles. Like Joe's turned on the good old boy, aw shucks, Joe Biden thing, right? And he he shakes King Charles' hand and then he pats him on the back. And based on reaction. In the in a section of American press and the British press, you would have thought that Joe Biden took a pocket knife and stabbed King Charles in the liver. He broke protocol. How does he not know that? How does he not know that? How does he not know? Like, stop. And my point of bringing this up is, Britain, get over yourself. I. Why? It's 2023. We can touch the king. I was going to say, so it's a uh, We can touch the king. You can't make contact with the king. Yeah, 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 yeah. And there's all these, like, even British, uh, apparently, yeah, yeah, tour the guard, which is you have those those red-clad soldiers out in front of, uh, of, of um, Buckingham Palace, right? And the, the um, tradition is the king or queen walks a step and a half behind the foreign leader that they're touring the guard with. But... Joe Biden was, as he should be, a step and a half ahead of King Charles, but 
nobody knows what the protocol is. So like, oh my God, you're walking in front of the king. Joe Biden's an idiot. But the same thing happened. The same people saying, oh, Joe Biden, he didn't do anything wrong. That's the protocol. Those were the same people killing Trump for doing the same thing, walking in front of Queen Elizabeth when he went like six years ago. So it's just all stupid. That's one of those lose, 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 Yeah, it's just stupid. So what I'm saying is royal family, get over yourself and knock off the protocols. We don't need to be bowing to you. We don't need to be uh, keeping our hands away from your back. We don't need to, who cares who's walking in front or walking behind. Stop. You don't do anything. Stop. I think it's just an opportunity for the for the nerds who think it's cool to know all the rules to to be the one to call it out on Twitter. But right? they don't they even know. Twitter. They don't even know. They're just whining about stuff they don't know anything about. Right, right. Whether it's Obama, whether it's Don, whether it's Joe, you don't know what you're saying. Stop. And like any of you care about British protocol. Not a damn. This is America, damn it. <laughs> we escaped that. We can do whatever we want to the monarch. We own them. We touch backs. No, nah, we 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 back touch here in America. That's if the king do. doesn't like it, then don't invite the pres don't invite the prez over. Okay? <laughs> don't invite don't invite Joe over. Um the the most underappreciated athlete, I think it's Novak Djokovic. Speaking of London, by the way, there was a point to that. Speaking of London, Wimbledon, Novak Djokovic, that dude just dominates dominates Grand Slams, dominates Wimbledon, hasn't lost there in a decade. Another win yesterday. He is my most underappreciated athlete, in my opinion. Pro athlete. What about you? 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. Tweeted us at KLV1063. That's 888-760-3776. Stone had a good one, I thought. Kevin Durant. uh, I think he's at least in this conversation. Uh, Jake tweets in, I feel like people don't really appreciate how good Travis Kelsey is. Truly is. His numbers are incredible, and he's maybe the most dominant and consistent full-season tight end I've ever seen. Gronk was incredible, but he had the injuries. Now, I do think you've got to have the conversation about Travis Kelsey being underappreciated with the name Gronk included. Because I still think when we're discussing great tight ends, Gronk's name's immediately going to be the one that comes to the forefront. It's going to be the one that pops into our mind. Like, Stone, your football mind, I say tight end. Does your brain still go right to Gronk? Because mine does. It doesn't go to Travis Kelsey. It goes right to Gronk. Even though he's not playing anymore, my brain has been programmed to go to Gronk as the standard of what that position should be. I can't say mine goes to Gronk. It truly does, and I'm not making that up Does either. it go to Travis Kelsey, though? I, I think it does go to Travis Kelsey. I think he's the most dominant. I think he does things better than Gronk did as far as the, the detailed parts of a tight ends game. I think Travis Kelsey is the standard, and again. But you thinking he's the standard and him immediately popping in your brain as the standard, those can be two different things. But, but they're not for me. Okay. They're not for me. So you're better than I am because I've just been I, – I, I spent uh, a decade um, being tortured into, uh, hey, Gronk, Gronk, brainwashed, Gronk, Gronk, Gronk. So my my brain just always goes to Gronk. Yeah, and, and uh, again, I'm not I'm not trying to be funny when I say this when you talk about you're better than me. I think in the spots that I'm, uh, I'm better than you – or you careful don't go <laughs> you don't go to Travis Kelsey because of likability. It's the same conversation we're having with Novak Djokovic because you think Travis Kelsey because he's corny. Yeah, because yeah. he does the things you wish he could do. Right, host yeah. the Saturday Night Live, gets up there drunk on stage. You're like I hate this guy. All of his WWE he is corny. Uh, come on though, it's but so it, forced. It, you can't let that take away from how good of a tight end he is. And I think in a lot of instances we do as sports fans, you do one hundred percent. So. Same thing with Kevin Durant. Same thing with Novak Djokovic. Same thing with Tom Brady. It's like their likability takes away from how good of a ball player they are. We all fall into this trap. So I don't fight it. I, Regardless of if I think he's a little corny and he throws in too many catchphrases, he's a savage. Uh, Tyler tweets in, Shaq. I believe he was taken for granted as the generational talent he was. Young Shaq would still dominate the league. I think I can get behind that. Just as a physical presence... Who is, especially the way the league is gone, where you have a lot of fives who want to play on the wing, or at least it's developed that way. You have a lot of athleticism and not necessarily a true big man underneath. A Shaq, his game, as ragged as it was sometimes, because it was more power than it was anything finesse, though his, his, his footwork, very underrated. His footwork, very underrated. He wasn't just some 
some uh, mass freak of nature who just bulldozed his way everywhere. Like, he did bulldoze himself, right? But he had good touch on a fadeaway from the block. He had really good footwork. Um, I like that, actually. And I think Shaq today is much more known, like Charles Barkley. Now, if we're going to go NBA media, we're going to go TNT, we're going to go same show inside the NBA, I would put Charles Barkley higher than Shaq in the most underappreciated athlete category. I mean, Shaq, I still think there are enough people that remember when he was the best player in the NBA. Charles Barkley has taken on the goofy, hilarious guy who says whatever he wants on television moniker, and he's been doing it for so long at this point that people forget that Charles Barkley was one of the single best forwards in the NBA for a four- or five-year span. He was one of the single best players in the NBA for a handful of years. He was the best player for maybe a year or two in the NBA. He was dominant. His early 90s transitioning from the Sixers to the Suns, I mean, that dude was not only incredible athletically, he was a physical monster, unlike anybody in the league. Charles Barkley is more underappreciated pro athlete than Shaq. I think it's almost obvious that he's more underappreciated than Shaq. Shaq, you're talking about a guy you can go knock on anybody's door in any neighborhood around the country, around the world. Everybody knows who Shaq is. He's got the most brand deals than any athlete in sports history. He says no to, he does not say no to any product. Right, so he's it's a, like, hey, foot cream, sign me up. Uh, hey, uh, you you want to? How about a nose trimmer? Sign me up. Like he'll do anything. So, in the sense of being appreciated, like there's not a realm that doesn't appreciate him, whether it's business, whether it's sports. He's still got that aura around him. Yeah, Charles Barkley has become like that TV clown, and it has made him rich and valuable, and he has always been a household name, at least to me. But I remember him first as basketball player, then TV clown. Man, that dude was legit. Segway Sean in Palm Beach Gardens here on Ken Levick Alive. Sean, who do you got? Hey, man, and I know this might be a Homer-type type answer, but I still have to say it so that it's out there. It's kind of the elephant in the room, the Jimmy Butler situation. Yep. With, with, and I know that the last, uh, you know, locally at least, and, and regionally and especially, somewhat nationally, but really – hasn't gotten the appreciation, maybe coverage, but appreciation fully that he deserves for the, at least the last three years. I know that the whole moniker of uh, uh, playoff Jimmy, and then he comes to like a superhero, he puts a Superman cape on, it comes out, and but it's playoff. very regional. But it's like, yeah, but it is. It, it really is. And I mean, just the snub of the All Star. And I know he doesn't need it. I don't need it. You don't need it, Ken. But it's like just the fact of the snub and and us getting to you know where we've gotten the last. Few years, it's like, give me a break, man. Well, I mean, Sean, let me. I, 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 I see your Jimmy Butler, and I'm guilty of this. Let me raise you a bam. Oh, I mean, that just goes without saying. Yeah, yeah. I, I could, I could, t- I could tell you every member of the Heat team for the last three years. You know, but <laughs> right. whatever. Right. Yeah. No, Sean. Appreciate the call. Bam is and, and and Stone. I'm fully acknowledging that I have been as hard on Bam as as anybody who has a microphone in front of them. But he is underappreciated. There's no doubt about it. I mean, defense. He he has been the best defensive player. I don't want to hear Marcus Smart. I don't want to hear about Mister Forty Seven draft picks up in Minnesota. Right. I, Bam Adebayo has been the best defender in the NBA for five years. I had to think about okay. that. Okay. Yeah, right. Yeah, a good you pull. See where I'm going. Yeah, good thank pull. you. Um, when we come back, I've just learned that there is a now former Division I head basketball coach, a legendary college basketball coach who doesn't have an email account. What the hell? He's still in the bandwidth. It's Friday Night Lights. I'm Ken Levick. I'm live on ESPN 106.3.